Well, if you have your uh, Bibles this morning, I just get prepared to, to look up a number of different things, or you can listen as I turn to various passages. Uh, but this is called Grandparents' Day, and Grandparents' Day is a kind of a, a come-lately type of day. Uh, it wasn't, there wasn't always an official Grandparents' Day. I guess all of us are totally familiar with Mother's Day and Father's Day, and, and now if you've ever looked on a... I don't know what you would call it, a calendar which lists the special things for that day. There's usually three or four things you can find that you can celebrate on any particular day on the calendar. On the same day in which it's donut day or pizza day or hot dog day, it can be um, cats with three legs or dogs with uh, only one ear or whatever might day or whatever it might be. There are are all kinds of of days where you specially celebrate something in life that can be a, a particular food item or a flower or whatever it might be. But we've, uh, we've picked up at least uh, this year a Grandparents' Day, the uh, last couple of years, I think, to emphasize that the role of, of people of all generations can have an impact on people younger and older than themselves. And so I've entitled the message, um, if I can find my outline, I've entitled the message, I didn't memorize but the only, my title of my own message. Um, what, did I, what, I, what did I entitle it? Caring About Another Generation. Because what I wanted to do is, what if you're not a grandparent? You know, what if you, uh, uh, not even a parent, maybe you don't have children, or whatever you don't, or your children didn't have children, and you go, well, why did I come to church today? Because that has nothing to do with me. Well, the, the reality is, if, if we're still alive, that we, we have people in our life that are younger than older than us, and God wants us to care about the next generation. And uh, that generation could be the one above us, the one below us. It could be our own generation. But how are we committed to influence them? But I want to give you a little bit of a background of Grandparents' Day. I, didn't, I, didn't, I knew very little about this. I'd read some things that Jeannie had put together. And, uh, but Grandparents' Day, the, the, uh, the one who gets credit for making it official, beginning it was uh, Marion McQuaid. And this is uh, some of the things that have been written about this whole approach or this whole emphasis. The eventual founder of National Grandparents' Day accompanies her grandmother as she distributes food and checks on elderly neighbors near the family farm in West Virginia. This fostered a long-life interest in seniors and most notably grandparents. The thing I, I thought was significant about that is it, it began not by a grandparent, but someone who would become a grandparent, and it was the influence of one older than her that made such an impact about caring for others. And that's why I've entitled the message, Caring About Another Generation. She was amazed by what her grandmother did in reaching out to people around her in West Virginia. Uh, then in 1956, she, she began launching her, her passion for reaching out. And she uh, did it by giving special tribute to West Virginia's octogenarians, uh, which started her, as they put it, on a road to activism on behalf of seniors. But I was thinking about octogenarians, and I think there might be at least one here that might be an octogenarian. But I was thinking, you know, I, uh, I feel privileged now preaching on Grandparents' Day because I'm a, I'm a grandparent. But uh, if you look at the history of it, I guess it doesn't really count until you turn 100. All right, so uh, that's how she really began that. She was particularly focused on people who were 100. So uh, I'm just saying that for many of you, you need to live, live a little bit longer because God still has a plan for you, right? And then the dream was accomplished in 1978 where President Carter began to establish a particular day called Grandparent Day that was designated the first, um, I think the first weekend in September, but, or full weekend. But this is interesting. Here's, here's some of the byproducts, the benefit of being 
a grandparent or one who takes on the role of being a grandparent. We've tried to retitle this grand people, uh, but this is, this is one study said this. Swiss, German, and Australian researchers found half of grandparents who participated at least occasionally in their grandchildren's lives were more, more likely to be alive five years later than those who had no involvement. So if you want to, if you want to last a little bit longer, spend some time with uh, people who are younger than us. And haven't we all said this, you know, when you're around young people, they make, they make you feel a little bit younger, right? They, they keep you young if you're around young people. So at least in, in uh, Switzerland, in Germany, in Australia, they've got some data to back that up. You'll, you'll last a little bit longer. Then if you want, to be, you want to live longer, but you also want to live smarter, right? You want to be a little wiser. Here's another study. Another showed that grandmothers, I don't know what about the, grandparents, or the grandpas, but the grandmothers who watched their grandchildren one day per week had higher, higher cognitive mental scores than those who never did. So you not only live longer, you'll be smarter if you just spend time around with grandparents or people younger than you. And so uh, there are some, uh, uh, some things to think about as we even uh, contemplate. What's the, what's the role of impacting another generation? But what I want to do today is, is really look at kind of getting a biblical worldview of of generations and how life is supposed to be lived out, not only individually but collectively, and so we're going to be um, we're going to be borrowing from Chick Fil A as we think about the the privilege of being a grandparent or uh, a grand person. It's your pleasure, all right. It's your pleasure to be able to impact or influence someone younger than you, uh, but we would also say even someone older than you as well. So I want you us to consider these truths. Now, however, before we do, I want to just make a few other simple comments. Because as you think about the role of, of grandparent, there are some things that have become fairly popular in how people describe the privilege of being a grandparent. Uh, some have put it this way. If I had realized having grandchildren would be so much fun, I would have started with them. <laughs> have you heard that? Forget the children. Just go right to the grandchildren. Um, and others have written, the best thing about being a grandparent is that you can spoil the grandkids and then send them home, all right? If you want them on a sugar high, just let them put them to bed, right? Uh, and then some actually are a little bit more aggressive. They say, well, if, if, if those kids' parents can't whip them into shape, then I will, all right? But that's, that's the role of a kind of taking the role of the parent rather than the role of the grandparent. You, you, need, to, you need to make the parent the hero, and you need to support them as much as possible that they do their role well. But, but why, is this, why is this so important? Well, just look at it in terms of some truths found in Scripture. So in some ways, we're going to look at some basic truths, but also we'll think a little bit theologically. So if you want to follow along, we're going to start in the very beginning, which is the book of Genesis, which means beginnings. And how did this all start as far as life? The familiar passage, uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish and all the things that he wanted them to do. And then it said in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the very close, uh, very clear statement when we think about generations, it all began with God. And when he began with us, uh, we were made in the likeness of God. So there's something particularly special about people. 
And the reason is special, God has put his stamp on us. He, he said, that's my property. That's, that's people I have made. And I, and I have a special relationship with them. Of all the created animals and life that he put together, it was only mankind and, and, the, and male and female that he put his stamp said, these, these are like me. Now, we're all familiar with that, probably most of us, that the Bible says, the imago Deo, in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Uh, but it's interesting how it's described in terms of parenthood. And uh, every, every parent initially had a grandparent, or you weren't, you weren't around, right? There had, to be, there had to be some kind of lineage there. And in Genesis chapter 5, we have these words. Uh, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he created him in the likeness of God. So that theme is, is repeated. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. Then verse 3 says this, When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. And to me, the remarkable thing about that is that not only are we created in the likeness of God, but we're also created in the likeness of our parents. Now, for some of us, and this is the, the danger of, of having a grandparents' day or a mother's day or a father's day, because some, some people never become mothers and some never become fathers and then they never become grandparents. But it's not that you're left out of the, the story of the Bible or the story of, of having meaningful relationships with people, because Sometimes aunts and uncles are, have major impacts as much as the parents on, on the lives of little ones. Sometimes friends or, or people of other ages in a church make a major impact on the lives of others. But I think what we want to realize is that not only are, is every life made in the image of God, God's got his imprint on us, and we've marred it, disgraced it uh, um, uh, because of our sin, but also every, every person here has a, has a lineage from their, their birth parents. And, and, and we all know that there are no such thing as illegitimate children, but some parents are illegitimate in terms of not following their role. But even in that, no matter how we want to picture it in our minds, we, we never want to forget that, that every life has an impact from the one who brought them in physically into this world. And whenever we can, and this is making an impact on, a, on a, another generation, particularly a younger generation, the, the more that we can somehow celebrate those parents, somehow look for whatever we can to, to praise something about them, we're helping that child own his own beginning. You know, one of the, the and, and my, my wife was adopted, and she knows really nothing about her parents. And sometimes she will wonder, why did, why did they put me up for adoption? But because of God's grace and everything that happened that, it's, it's a thing that she looked back and praised God about because she was so blessed by the adoptive parents that she received. But sometimes she will wonder. And, and never during that adoptive plan did, did her parents, um, adoptive parents, ever denigrated the parents that brought her into life. And so we've probably many times heard something like this. If not, I'll share it to you now. Is that, you know, when you think about what's, what's the best thing a parent can do for a child? What's the best thing a dad can do for his, his children? Uh, love, love their mom. 
And what's the best thing a mom can do for their children is, is love their dad. And, and let's be honest, we, we all know that, that some people in the family are more lovable than others. Some parents are more lovable than others. That's true in my family. Alice is so much more lovable than me. But as we you know, heard about the importance of being one, one of the things that, that helped our family to be a, a family of peace and love was because Alice and I were committed to love one another. And as grandparents or as people influence other generations, do whatever you can to celebrate the role of the parent of the child who maybe has become, um, who did become uh, the reason you've become a grandparent. They've brought children in the world, and you wouldn't have those grandchildren unless those, those, those are, that are your children brought them into existence. And we know sometimes they're not lovable, and sometimes you, you can't honor what they do, but, but never make them uh, less in the, in the eyes of your grandchildren because of your criticism of them. And never forget that they are tied to them. They are made in the likeness and the image of their parents. And the nurture can change some of the nature, but they will have a tie to their parents. Secondly, and this is an obvious thing here, but as we think about the role of influence in others, we want to keep things, first things first. Not only should you love the parents and, and love the children, but before all else, you need to love Jesus first. The greatest thing that you can do for that child, that next generation, is love Jesus. And why is that so important? Because if you're, if you're trying to meet the needs of another person, and if you had, a, you could only meet so many of those needs. What needs would you want to meet first? I think we'd all say, I want to meet the most important need. I mean, if they're starving with food, you wouldn't buy them a new toy. You know, if, if, they, if they needed something to drink, you wouldn't buy them new clothes. You, you would go to that to the heart of their need. And what's everyone's greatest need? If it's true about who Jesus is, their greatest need is Jesus. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us are like sheep. And sometimes you look at those lovely, you know, cute little kids, just think, hey, that's a dumb little sheep over there, right? All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And so every child is lost. Every child is going down a selfish path. Every child is going away from God rather than to God. And more than anything else, we want them to come to know Jesus. And just that simple thought that my most important role is impacting another generation is to point them to Jesus. doesn't mean you're preaching to them every moment of every day. But that's your heart passion. I want them to meet Jesus. That's their greatest need. Bible's pretty plain. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and ingrained in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. So it's helping them know who Jesus is and who they are and that they desperately need him. Thirdly, it begins with understanding that every child has value. Every child has value. And every person has value, those who are younger and those who are older. Just look at a couple passages, and one is in your bulletin this morning as far as the reference. But in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, we have these words stated for us just to reflect upon. Grandchildren are the crown of old men, 
and the glory of sons is their fathers. And so as you think, what really is most important to you? What really matters to you? Is it the toys of this world or the accomplishments or the, the things that you can get the praise of other people? Or is it really the people in your life? The, the people that, that have meaningful relationships with others and, and ones that people really care about others are the people who are most rich in this world. And so as you think about the role of a grandparent or a grand person or someone making great influence on another, that's your crown. That's your gold medal. That's your trophy are the people that you influence, and they're just so grateful and thankful that you are in their life. And it begins to also realize, well, what is it you want from the younger generation toward you? You, you want, as the, proverb, the writer of Proverbs says there, he says, and the glory of sons is their father's. So, so it goes both directions. It goes you know, vertically down or, or I don't know what's the best, best way to say that, but also vertically up. That, that your children, the people that are younger, you, they, they do look up to you, not just physically, but relationally, and they cherish you in their life. And, and they get that because you, as, as you are older than them, that you cherish them, that you see them as, as of great value. The Bible is filled with verses that talk about the, the value of life. And in Psalm 127, 3, uh, these familiar words, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And, and so when, when there are young lives in, around you, uh, do you see them as a gift or you see them as a nuisance? And so, sometimes they are a nuisance, but be thankful for that nuisance. And demonstrate that and communicate that in various ways. Psalm 128, verses 5 and 6 has, has these words for us. The Lord bless you from Zion, speaking in them corporately as a nation. And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. That's an interesting statement. May you see your children's children. I don't think that means just simply you got a chance to be there you know, soon after they were brought out of the womb. But might you see them in a meaningful way? Might you have an impact in their life? There comes a time when the older we get and there are more things going wrong, you know, more things that crack when you don't want them to crack and more things that you feel that you don't want to feel and, and your energy level isn't at, the, at what it used to be and, and maybe some of the skills that you used to have you, you don't have anymore. That just popped in my mind though. I, was, uh, I had a chance to be with my kids in Lake Arrowhead and, and I thought we were going we to go on the boat and I, I, for some of you this might, mean, not, might not mean anything to you but now people wakeboard more than they, they ski, like on one ski. And the reason they do that is because wakeboarding is so much easier. And so we were going out there, and they said, hey, Dad, do you want to go skiing? I go, yeah, yeah, because wakeboarding is a lot easier, you know. So and all of a sudden they said, we're not, and then we're out on the boat, and all of a sudden, no, we're only going to do slalom skiing. We're only going to use one ski. And I'm thinking, I'm not doing this. I hadn't done it in 20 years, okay. And, um, and so everybody had done it, and now it was my turn. And they get on the water, Dad. So I went out there, and first three times, flap, 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 you know, and then, the fourth one, I got up and skied, you know. And so I thought, I still got it. I still got it. No, is that? But you know, but you know, the whole time I'm thinking, man, I can't do what I used to be able to do 20 years ago. 
And we all go through that, don't we? I, mean, I, I, I can't do what I used to do 10 years ago. I can't do what I used to do five years ago. I can't do what I used to do a year ago, right? But you know what you can do every moment you're here? You can still impact the lives of the next, the, particularly the younger generation. And I'm speaking to some of you that I've had conversation with you about. Some of you say, well, why am I still here? You know, why, why, why doesn't God just take me? And, and I want to tell you, there's all kinds of people around you that want you still around. And you're impacting people by just being there. And many of you know, uh, you know, the progress of my dad, who, who in his latter years got Alzheimer's, or there's different ways to describe that. And, and he went through a period of time where it was so hard for him to see the meaning of his life. And constantly I kept telling him, but, but you're a blessing to me and to my children, your grandchildren, now your great-grandchildren. And even though you don't see it, they see it. So don't give up on life. See it as your role to see your children's children. And some of you have had the opportunity to see your children's children's children. And if you have an opportunity, then stick around to see your children's 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 children, right? And so I can't handle that. Well, if God leaves you here, he's left you here for a purpose. And you need to see the value of your life, the life in other, other, the other next generation. Fourthly, and this is, this is one of the times that we're all familiar with this passage. In Mark chapter 10, we have Jesus correcting disciples. You know, they, they, uh, they went from different roles. They thought at times they were in the learning mode all the time. But then after a while, they thought they were in the teaching mode. Or they were the ones that needed to protect Jesus. Like, we never have to protect Jesus. Jesus can handle anything that comes his way. Well, in Mark chapter 10, we have the story of, of them encountering children. And they thought the children ought to be seen but not in fact, they even went a little step further. Not only they should not be heard, they probably shouldn't even be seen, particularly when you're doing something important, right? So in Mark chapter 10, um, here's the account. And they were bringing children to him, this is Jesus, so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Which really, again, it's, Caring enough about the next generation to, to really do something that is impactful. And, and that goes both ways. We need to be able to share our wisdom with those younger than us, but we need to learn lessons from them. And that's what he was telling the disciples. Look, you need to look at their lives and, and, and take on some of those characteristics for, you, for, for your life. See how dependent they are? See how... Uh, evasive they are, so, so compelling they are in their love for me. See how spontaneous they are. See how full of life they are. That's how you ought to be. And, and so he says, look, if you're not going to become like this, I don't even want you part of my family. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not even enter into it at all. And then he took him into his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. So one way you could put it this is you think about caring about another generation is realize that that generation needs to be cherished and blessed. And hopefully you communicate that to, to people that come, you come in contact with, whatever their age might be, that you see them of value, you cherish them, that you communicate to them that they are special. 
It's also interesting. He says, he, you know, obviously he cherished them because he said, look, they're sticking around. They're, they're going to be seen and they are going to be heard. But he said he blessed them. Now, particularly in the churches like ours, we, we don't talk a whole lot about giving someone a blessing, right? How many have ever heard messages on giving out blessings? Okay, I've heard a couple of them, but you don't hear that a whole lot. And I think sometimes what we do is we make things in the Bible more complicated than they need to be. Um, though at times you're going to encounter someone asking you to give a blessing. That happened to me last night. Uh, some of you have met my neighbors, uh, Kim and Carol, across the street. And they were out, and uh, I know their family a little bit. And uh, their son, Eric, who's newly married, been married a couple years, he came over, and it was obvious that he was going to become a parent for the first time. Now, the reason I knew that, because his wife was there, and she was, to put in biblical terms, great with child. Right? It looked like it was popping out right then and there, right? And, uh, but it was interesting about Eric. Eric uh, is one of those adventuresome-type people. He, he's the kind of person who likes to jump off mountains with a kite. You know, he's, he's, he's the guy who likes to do windsurfing. He's like jump out of planes, with, usually with, an air, with, with, a, with, a, with a, a parachute. But he's kind of the guy who would probably glide down, you know, those mountain things. He loves doing that. I've never seen, seen him scared of anything, but he was scared to be a parent. <laughs> I mean, he was like white. His face was white. He was like shaking. And, and um, I've never heard him say that. We've had many conversations, but he said, uh, uh, can, can, can you bless my child? I'm going to bless your child. And I thought, okay, what do I do here? How do I bless the child? You know, so how do you bless your child? Well, really, basically what Jesus did when he blessed the child, he just spoke kind words to them and asked God to, to be so special in their life. And I just want to announce to you that you can be a child blesser. You can be a, an adult blesser. You can be a person who impacts another person's life in a, in a significant way by simply praying to God on their behalf. And one of the ways you can do it where they, they get to hear the blessing is just pray out loud with them. Well, let me pray right now. And, and so as we think about caring about another generation, pray for people. Pray, pray a, a prayer of thanksgiving for them. Pray, pray a prayer where they might experience the strength and love of God in their life. Pray that they might always realize that no matter what they're going through, that God goes with them. Pray that, that they can experience not only peace with God, they know God, but the peace of God in the midst of the storm, that they, they, they experience the assurance of God being sufficient for them. And, and so as we think about impacting, you think, well, I don't work well with children, or I don't work well with teenagers, or I don't work well with people my own age, I don't work with, well with people older than me. You can pray for all those people, right? And that's what Jesus did. Fifthly, and this one we've all hear, heard, and this is, this is kind of reversing the, most of the emphasis of this morning, or particularly when we think of grandparents or grand people day, is that parents are to be honored by children. And so from the very beginning, that, that ought to be an emphasis is that, look, at there's, there's a place where you need to respect and give value to those who brought you into this world. And so in Ephesians 6, this is uh, a repeat of what happened in Exodus as, as, as Moses uh, through the hand of God, gave them, as we most popularly talk about, the Ten Commandments. But in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, that is right. And then these familiar words, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long with the earth. 
Isn't that interesting? You know, earlier I said in, in Swiss and uh, the Swiss and the Germans and the Australians decided that if you uh, spend time with your grandchildren, it will make you live longer. Uh, well, here's the reverse of the Bible says if children obey and honor their parents, they will live longer. That means that their parents won't take them out. But anyway, you know, <laughs> whatever it might be, is that, is that we need to realize that there's a role of, of communicating that not only are you to be receivers, but you are to give back as well. And children need to learn that from the very beginning. And, and uh, one of the, the major roles of the father in the home is to make sure that children respect their mother, right? And, and that is so important. But leaving a couple other things right here. So what, what is it we want to communicate uh, to the children? Well, we want to communicate to the children the goodness and greatness of God. Uh, a couple of passages from the book of Psalms. In Psalm 71, uh, we, we have uh, uh, these words given to us uh, by the psalmist. Psalm 71, 18. And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. And that's, again, another challenge to recognize. Look, God's not through with what he wants you to do until he takes you home. And as this, as this um, older man said, I'm old and grain, but don't, don't, don't let me stop until I have accomplished something. Well, what is it he was supposed to accomplish? That I declare your strength to the next generation. You are a testimony to God about God's goodness and greatness. And you want to share that with those younger than you. And they can be done in little ways or major ways, but just, just treat everyone of great, with great value. I was sharing in the first service, uh, one of the things, uh, because a couple of my grandkids live really local, is that um, on my day off, often I will take them to the park. Um, now, I had three boys and one girl. I was much better probably raising the girls than the boys. I mean, the relating to the boys and the girl, uh, Cindy. But, but uh, so I'm, I, I take the girls to the park, and, and I do things at the park I never do with anybody. Trust me. I go there, and we make, we make cakes out of sand. We make pies out of sand. Then we have dance contests. I mean, this is, I'm saying, who is this person? Okay, so anyway, so, but when I walk with them, but it, it, you know, as I'm there with them, it's interesting. One of the things that we've started to do is we, we, sing, we sing songs about Jesus. Now, how many have ever heard me sing a solo here in church? Okay, no one, just because I haven't done it, all right? But when I go to the park, I sing songs with, with my grandkids. And, you know, and, and let's just tell you how much they appreciate my singing. After they learn the song, they say, Papa, I just sing it. You just listen. <laughs> okay, so, so, I mean, but you communicate a message. All right? and, and, and if they're memorizing verses in Sunday school or VBS, we go over those verses and we talk about it, what it means. And so in just little ways, you can communicate and talk about the goodness and greatness of God by singing about him and talking to them about what God has said in his word. Psalm 145 has the same idea of, of passing on the truth of God to the next generation. And this is what the psalmist says in, in one, Psalm 145. He says in, in verse 3 and 4, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. There's no way you can exhaust what you could tell about God. One generation will, will, shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Isn't that amazing? 
There is a role where we are to pass on what we know about God. But finally, I just want to challenge all of us. We need to be intentional in communicating our faith to people of every age. You need to look for ways. How can I do simple things? You know, what kind of a legacy am I leaving? And one legacy is simply even doing what you're doing here today. You want it to be known about you that, you know, what happens on the weekend is that you, unless there's some kind of way that prevents you from doing that, your habit is to go to the house of God and worship. And so when they think about you, they say, well, my grandma and grandpa, they go to church and they, they want to worship God. And it's just a, a habit that you have that they see that as important. Um, that they, uh, they know you own a book. You know, there's, there's books of all sizes, but, you know, it's a book that they become to realize that's a Bible. And my grandma and my grandpa, they like to read that book. You know, one of the things that we do, we've gone camping with our kids since they were really small, and we go camping with, and they bring their grandkids now when we go camping together. We have opportunity to vacation together, or if we go to, to some resort or something like that. And, and there's a book I always bring, and my wife always brings on vacation, and I want to encourage you to do that as well. When you go on vacation, bring your what? Bring your Bible. Now, you don't have to preach out of the Bible to them. Well, you, I, I give you permission if you want to. No. But, but just read it in their presence. And even if you're not reading it to them, just read it when, there's, when they see you up in the morning or at late at night. And you, you, you take the book and you open it up. And they see that's your habit. That's what you do. And so you want to be intentional of living out your faith and, and make it a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week. That's just part of who you are. There's some stations on your radio that, that sing songs of praise. You don't have to listen to Christian music all the time, but occasionally in their presence, you want to do that. Um, now, in my case, my, my kids got kind of tired, of it, but I, I would listen to um, Bible teachers on the radio nonstop, you know, and they go, Dad, do we have to listen to this again? Okay, but anyway, yeah, but I mean, there are times where they, they just realize, well, I, I just do it. I, I enjoy re- learning, you know, and so I, that would be part of the practice of what, what uh, they would get. And you got, you got, if you don't want to read it, you can have someone else read it in, in, on a CD or in some kind of a device. Is this make that part of your, be, but be intentional about it. You know, the Bible's pretty clear on that. And I'm not going to turn it because of time, but in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, one of the heroes in the New Testament, Timothy, and, and when you kind of draw the line of how he came to faith in Jesus... It, it, it came because of the impact of Lois, his grandmother. That's how he was brought to faith, and that's how he continued on faith, and then he became a, a participant and lead others to faith. And, and then there were times he struggled because he had, he had gotten his faith from those older than him, and now he was in a role where he was younger, teaching older people about the faith. And Paul had the same, let, let, let no one look, in 1 Timothy 4, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Don't feel like you're too young to make an impact on someone older than you. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct and love and faith, show yourself an example to those who believe. And so we want to challenge people younger than us. You have a role right now. It's, it's not like tomorrow is you, you're the church. No, today you're part of the church. Today you can influence others. I mean, wasn't it a blessing to hear the children sing uh, this morning? 
And if you've ever been involved, we're working with children and hearing their prayers or hearing them talk about Jesus, sometimes it puts us to shame and it encourages, I want to have that, that freshness about my faith. But I want to close by looking at a couple of passages in, in Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, and then a classic passage in, in chapter 6. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, it says this, Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Now, that's an interesting thing to say. You know, we hear, we're in this craze now in our world where, where whether we do it or not, we hear about it all the time, is you need to, you need to get in physical shape, right? There's all kinds. I, I read, what did I read? I think, well I, forget, well, I think I'm mixing statistics up. But there is a segment of our population that spends thousands of dollars every year on exercise equipment or exercise uh, type of um, things to keep them in physical shape. But what he's saying here, be diligent to keep yourself not physically shaped, but spiritually shaped. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forsake the things which your eyes have seen and do not depart from your heart all the days of your life and make them known to your sons and grandsons. And that's not going to happen by accident. We, we have to do it intentionally. And we're not talking about you have to go to Bible school or seminary to, to make an impact. Simply love Jesus. The best thing you can do for the life of, of someone else is to love Jesus and just demonstrate that in, in little ways and being the habit of your life. But I close with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this. Now, begin uh, with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in by the way and, and when you go to the park and make cakes and, and pies out of mud sand. And, okay. and, when, and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You shall make every part of your life pointing toward Jesus. So what's the point this morning? The, the point this morning is that God wants us to care about another generation. And it could be somebody older than us. It could be somebody younger than us. It could be somebody in our own generation. But care enough to present Jesus to them. Not necessarily preaching a sermon to them, but, but showing that this is what's most important to you. This is part of who you are, not just on a Sunday or one day during the middle of the week, or, but this is, this is part of who you are and of who you are. And it can be done the simplest of way, but the most profound way. Just open this book and spend time in it. Pray whether they're seeing you or not. Pray for your family and your friends that, that they would come to know Jesus. Uh, live a life that honors God by, by recognizing when you mess up, you admit you mess up, but saying, God, I want to go your path, not my path. I, I, want, I want your life to live out through my life. I, I want to have people see Jesus. I want their life to be blessed not only now, but for forever. Can you imagine that? We're not just talking about influencing our, our children or our children's children just when they're young or in their middle years or their their parenting years, but forever. And not that we'll be the perfect example, but we, they can know the direction we're headed, that this is what's most important, making Jesus a part of every 
part of my life. And when we feel incapable, God will say, my grace is sufficient for you. I will enable you to be what you need to be to have an influence in people's lives. All I'm asking you, as Peter wrote in his letter, just grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love him and let other people know that you love him. And you'll have an impact that will last for eternity. Let's pray. Father, we all fall short. We all could do do-overs. We could all have a mulligan from a golfing perspective. But Father, what, what you want from us right now is you want us to say, today, I just, want to, I just want to live for you more faithfully today. Help us to care about people around us. Help us to just love Jesus and let it leak out on others. And Father, for anyone who might not know you today, help Help you realize this is, what, this is what centers all of life. This is what life is really all about, knowing the one who made us in his image and his likeness and now wants to make us a new person in Jesus and help them just surrender their lives to him in faith and confidence that he came and died on our behalf through his son Jesus. Now, Father, we pray as we close our time together that you might cause us all to say, what can, what can I do to be a better influencer in the life of another. And we ask in Christ's name, amen.